Let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Jose, you have a guest. Yep. Wow. What a welcome you gave her. Huh? Did you pray for this? You and your daughter. Father, daughter, shoveling snow. I like it. Huh? She did. Has she ever seen this much snow? At one time? Okay. Only once. Yeah. Welcome back. I know you're not first time, but to many, maybe have not met, so get a chance to meet her after the service. Wonderful. Second Corinthians chapter 12, we are looking at lesson 10 in our series The title of the series uh, theme is, It's Not What You Think. And tonight's lesson is, Strength Comes Through Weakness. Which again, it's not what you think. Strength comes through weakness. That doesn't doesn't sound uh, right on paper, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says in verse number 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. We'll talk about that in a moment. To buffet me. That is not buffet, that is buffet. Just making sure you know. I'm sure you knew that. The buffet is after church, okay? lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me. So God's answer to Paul was, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore. Now notice the wording. Most gladly. Therefore, will I glory, will I rather glory in my infirmities? For my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Sorry, I got out of order there a little bit. Therefore, verse 10. I take pleasure, notice the wording, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, we'll define these, necessities, persecutions, distresses, for Christ's sake. He says, I take pleasure in them, I'm I'm happy for them, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Weakness usually seems like a disadvantage. If I'm weak in something, it would be against me. It would be uh, to my disadvantage, not for my advantage. But the Apostle Paul doesn't view weakness in this way. In fact, Paul says quite the opposite. He says that, that to be in my weakness is an advantage. Because without my weakness, then I would not be strong. Again, it's not what you think. That doesn't sound right. 
uh, on the surface. You'd think we would want to be strong. In fact, he saw his handicap, his weakness, if you will, as an avenue for the strength of God. Turn over to chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And here he speaks about, once again, some of these words, weakness, trembling. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Verse number 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Sometimes we have a view of someone being greatly used of God. Someone who does a great work for God as being strong. And I think that's only a natural perception. But when it comes to God's economy, someone who is strong, someone who is confident, nothing wrong with these things, someone who might even be considered a gifted speaker, isn't necessarily someone who is going to do something great for God. Paul said, I was the exact opposite of all of these. He said, I didn't have enticing words. I wasn't a polished speaker, if you will. Uh, I wasn't uh, who's who, who's who of Baptist preachers, okay? You know, I was a rough around the edges. I was weak in all of these things. In fact, he was fearful. He was trembling. He was not eloquent. But we find from his writing and we find from his preaching that he had something that is far greater than having all of the theological words in place, although he had those in place, but he had far, something far greater than being uh, uh, eloquent of speech. He had the power of God. He had the Holy Spirit's unction when speaking. And so tonight we're learning that it's not what we think, that strength actually comes from weakness. Now, strength and weakness are at opposite ends. They're a conflict in our minds on the surface. Again, we would think that someone who is making a difference for God, they're strong, they're determined, uh, they have vision. All of these things are great and fine. But if we're not careful, those things begin to be our focus, not needing the power of God. And, and everybody, we need God's help. It's not based on a degree from a college or a university when it comes to serving the Lord. No, we need God's help. And usually when we recognize that we need it the most is when we have the most strength. Because when we are weak, then we are strong. This weakness, by the way, is not referring in these, these passages, is not referring to a moral deficiency. Paul is not saying, you know, I'm weak and so therefore, you know, overlook my sin. That's not what this weakness is referring to. This weakness is referring to, specifically, he talked about the thorn in the flesh. 
In other words, Paul was saying, there's something in my life that is outside of my control. Maybe there's something in your life tonight that is outside of your control. God has allowed it into your life as he allowed it into Paul's life. So he's saying this thing that God allowed, he called it the thorn in the flesh. It was appointed by God. It was allowed by God. And he said, because of this difficulty, because of this weakness, he had an opportunity to see God's strength shine through. We've been quoting this verse, parts of it, but turn over to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. We've quoted this. I just said a a part of it just a moment ago, but let's get an idea of the entire verse. John 15 and verse number 5. Strength comes through weakness. John chapter 15 and verse number 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, he can do nothing. So, it's very evident, I know for me, that unless God is helping me, that it's not going to work. It's not going to work out. Many times that's just admitting I can't do it. So let's jump into this. I just gave you the first blank, all right? Number one, the blank there is admit. Admit. We're going to look at three steps to exchange my weakness for God's strength. The first one is admit, I can't do it. Do we have any more copies of the notes, Brother Dwayne, or did we use them all? Did anyone not get a copy and you'd like a copy of the notes? Or did everybody, oh, Miss Joy, okay, Miss Learning. Do we have two copies? Thank you, I'm sorry. Thank you, Brother Dwayne, for helping with that. There you go. Okay. Thank you very much. So admit. The first step to receiving God's strength is to admit that you are weak. You know, that's, that's difficult sometimes. That's difficult for us to be honest. Even though we may know it, it's difficult for us to be honest and admit, yeah, I'm weak. I need God's help. 2 Corinthians 12 Paul said this, this is our text passage as we go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 7. It's interesting how he put this. He said, unless I should be exalted above measure. What does that mean? Unless I should be exalted above measure. Can you consolidate that down to like one word? Unless I should be exalted above measure. To be exalted means to be what? No, to be exalted, it's the opposite. Good try though. To be exalted means to be lifted up, right? So Paul says, lest I be exalted above measure. So if he's exalted above measure, if he thinks he's more than he really is, what is that? Pride. Right. So he says, 
so that I don't get exalted above measure. I told, I told uh, Brother Kevin and Jacob yesterday a story about when I was in grade 8, just a few years back. But it's as, it's as uh, fresh in my mind as the day it happened. We were in basketball season, and our team was playing in, a, in, a, in the state tournament. I was only in grade 8, and so the high school team was comprised of grade 9 to 12. So I played in the junior high, you know, and maybe some JV, which was grade 9 and 10 sometimes. But most of the time when the high school was playing, I was, I was keeping statistics. I was keeping track of rebounds and steals and assists and, you know, shot chart and all that kind of stuff. And I love numbers. I love doing all that kind of stuff. And so I was always there helping with that. But one day when we were going to this tournament game, one guy showed up late. One of the players showed up late. There's anything, one of the things my dad is not very good at is waiting. <laughs> if you're not on time, it's going to be not going to be good. So he left him. We went to the tournament game. And my dad said, well, Ben, you're next up, so you're dressing tonight. Wow. Grade 8, varsity team, playoff game. Well, I just sat the end of the bench the whole game. Just, you know, handed the starters towels when they were sweating and handed them a water bottle. But I had a jersey on. I mean, wow. I was like, what, was I 12 years old? I don't know, 13 these guys out there wait, you know, 17, 18, 16, 17, 18. Got to the end of the game, and we had a sizable lead. It's in basketball, maybe in other sports, it's called garbage time. Meaning, you know, you can put in, like me, and it'll be okay. You can put in all the young guys, and they won't lose it. We're ahead far enough. So let's put, let's put them in, you know, they bring out the starters. You know, you've seen this, I'm sure, and other, you've seen this before, and they just, you know, so I got in the game with, I don't remember how much time was left, but you know, there's something, there's something about being in, you want to compete, you want to do your best, and this wasn't for me garbage time. This was an opportunity. So first play, we were going down. I was on, we were on defense the first play. They had the ball. I was guarding the point guard, and I stole it from him right away. And I took it down, and I thought I was like six foot seven. I'm not six foot seven, in case you can't tell that. I thought, I'm going to do a finger roll. If you don't know what a finger roll is, I'll tell you afterwards, okay? I thought I was in the NBA. I was just going to take it, and I was going to lay it right over the rim. I couldn't get anywhere even close to the net, let alone the rim. You know what I did? I blew that layup. A layup. Nobody around me. No other. I mean, I, I was in the clear, and I tried to be fancy. Lest I be exalted above measure, the Lord made me miss, okay? That's what Paul is saying here, but not about basketball. I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying because of pride, we want to appear like we, all, we have it all together. Because of pride, we don't want anybody to know that we're struggling. Right? Because of pride, we want to have everything in order, at least to the outside world. We, we prefer sometimes to simply rest in our self-sufficiency. But we, when I rely on my strength, 
there is no room for God to demonstrate his power. Because God is looking for someone who says, I'm weak, I need God's help. Those are the kind of people that God says, okay, that's what we need right there. I can do something with this. I can't do something with someone who thinks they have it all together. So letter A, Paul's weakness was significant. Paul's weakness was significant. This was not a trivial matter. It was serious. It was a constant problem. It never went away. Now, Paul thought it was hindering him. Paul thought it was preventing him from serving God. And so three times, Paul says, God, take it away. God, take it away. God, take it away. God did not take it away. We really don't know exactly what it was. Many have speculated through the years, but we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. It's a thorn in the flesh. More than likely, some, some sort of a physical issue that God was allowing into his life. And he asked for it to be removed three times, and yet it wasn't. Now, Paul was not only dealing with this thorn in the flesh. Turn over to chapter 11. Chapter 11, 2 Corinthians. Maybe it's on the same page because it's verses. We're not going to read all of these, but verses 23 to 29. In fact, Brother Barry and I were talking about this before church tonight, not really thinking that it was in the lesson, but look at verse 24. Paul said of the, uh, no, verse 20, 23. Paul said, uh, in stripes above measure, in stripes above measure. That's talking about stripes he received with a whip. In prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. So 39 times, five, five different times he was whipped 39 times. That was by law, they weren't allowed to do 40. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once stoned, once suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. And then he lists all these other things that he's gone through. You can read through them there. Verse 27, 28, uh, beside those things that are without, those that, uh, which, that come upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And he says, verse 29, who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? Paul uh, had a significant level of weakness tribulation is not going to be we're not immune to tribulation as christians john 16 33 these things have i spoken unto you that in me might have peace in the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world so tribulation is not uh something that we should look at and say wow i thought as a christian i would never have tribulation on the contrary We have tribulation because we're Christians. But we know that God is faithful and he's with us in the midst of those. So it was a significant uh, weakness. Number letter B, we see here that Paul's weakness was sent by Satan. Now, I'll say tonight that I don't believe every weakness or or, um, thorn in the flesh comes from Satan, but Paul's was. In fact, notice he referred to who brought it on him as the messenger of Satan to buffet me. The word messenger there in the text refers to a fallen or evil angel who is working directly for the devil. And by the way, Satan has many fallen 
angels, devils, demons working for him tonight. You may not be able to see them with your eyes, and I may not be able to see with my eyes, but just because I can't see them with my eyes and you can't see them with your eyes doesn't mean they don't exist. They do exist. And so this word messenger means that. Notice the word, Beth, the word buffet there. The word buffet means the idea of striking with the fist. And so Paul knew God had allowed Satan to afflict him. He said, I know that God's allowed this in my life to keep me, as you said, humble. You know, when you pray for humility, I remember hearing this, so that's not original with me. When you pray for humility, watch out. Because God will answer. And sometimes the answer that he gives may not be what you had in mind or I had in mind. It's not what Paul had in mind because he said, remove it three times. And yet God's answer to Paul was, my grace is sufficient for you. God is always in control. God allows affliction into my life. God allows challenges into my life, into your life. But I'm a firm believer tonight that God is in control. He sets parameters for my affliction. I can't remember the exact verse, but he says that he will not allow us to be tempted above that we are able. But will with the temptation make a way to what? Escape. God's faithful. He's not bringing you and he's not bringing me into a a time of challenge and difficulty to watch us squirm. That's not the God of the Bible. No, God is trying to bring us closer to him. As we learned this morning in in a morning message about worship, and God is trying to bring us closer to him. Not further away, but closer. Job 1.12 says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. They're having a talk about Job. All that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. So Paul's uh, challenge, Paul's weakness was significant. Paul's weakness was sent by Satan. Paul's weakness was very serious. It was serious. Remember when it said that he besought the Lord. He besought the Lord. This word means to urge, to ask earnestly, to plead for. Do you sense the urgency? This wasn't just something, hey, hey God, you know, it's me, Paul, and, um, you know, if you could just take this away, I'd be great. That's not very urgent. He besought the Lord. In a sense, he begged the Lord to remove the problem. He pled with him. Notice the word depart. That it would depart from me. It means to go away from, to remove, to keep away from. Paul wanted this problem removed and he wanted it removed now. And yet Paul would soon learn That this crying out to God, this beseeching of God, was a part in his journey of going from weakness to strength. Because he was going to the right place. He was going to the right place, wasn't he? You know, when things are 
things are difficult in our life, sometimes we go to the we go everywhere except God. And it's fine if we have a brother that we can talk to. It's fine we should be able to talk to our spouse for sure. A brother or a sister in Christ, our spouse. These are great. These are wonderful. But, uh, you know, we have Almighty God who is ready and willing and able to listen to us. And many times, he's the last person we go to when really he ought to be the first person we go to. And Paul is saying here, he's beseeching him, he's begging him that God would remove it. And all the while, though, God is using this in his life. And I pray that he'll use it in my life. I pray that he'll allow challenges to come into my life. Because it's when those challenges come into my life that I realize I'm not all that. Let us, I be exalted above measure. God's got to bring me down a few notches. How about you? Okay, Ben, we're going to have to bring you down a little bit. You're getting a little bit too big for your britches. And God says, you got to see this, Ben. Unless you're weak, you're not going to be strong. I'm so thankful God is patient, aren't you? He's so patient with us. So, number one, admit, I can't. I hope that we're we're willing to start there. Number two, acknowledge. Acknowledge. Admit, I can't. Acknowledge, he can. Admit, I can't. Acknowledge, he can. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can't, he can. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And he said unto me, from our text, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength, whose strength? God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. I say, bring on the weakness. Bring on the challenge. Because he can. God did not remove his affliction, but God let Paul know that he could that God would accomplish something greater through his weakness than even taking his weakness away. Wow. Paul would then embrace the thorn. Can you imagine that? Look at verse 10. We talked about it earlier. He would embrace it. I don't want to get, if I get a thorn in my finger, the last thing I want to do is embrace it. Oh, this thorn is so nice. I can't believe I got a thorn. I'm going to keep this thorn in my thumb and I'm just going to make sure it's all comfortable. (laughs) No, I'm picking that thing out of there. Paul said, I take pleasure. take pleasure i take pleasure verse 10 in infirmities basically weaknesses in reproaches you know what a reproach is when somebody does you wrong he says i take pleasure in it oh boy that's a tough one that's not a line i sign up to get in very often i take pleasure in Thirdly, necessities. This basically is, is what it is when we have a need. I'm glad I'm needy because my God shall supply all your need. I'm glad I'm needy because 
That's when God supplies according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Then he says, I take pleasure in persecutions. Okay, that's obvious what that is. I take pleasure in distresses. What are these? These are extreme afflictions. There is no individual here tonight in their, you know, on the level, if you will, who says, I am going to take pleasure in all of these things. It's not our nature to welcome them into our life. In fact, we want to do everything we can to keep them out of our life. How specifically does God make his strength known through our weakness, okay? Well, he does it by his grace. We talked about that, but let's look at these points quickly. God's grace is plentiful. Plentiful. That's what the word sufficient means. Enough to be satisfied. Because God's grace is plentiful, we can find, we will never find ourselves in a situation that exceeds the grace that we need to go through it. His grace will always be enough. You know, we have all over the room tonight different people in different places within their walk with God. That doesn't mean somebody's better than somebody. It just means that we have different uh, things that maybe we're trying to get to the place of uh, taking pleasure in. And so you'll come to a place in your life and you're going to need two buckets of grace and somebody's going to come to a place in their life and they're going to need five buckets of grace. It doesn't matter if you need two tonight or five. It's sufficient for you. It's sufficient for me. It never runs out. Think about it. All the grace that God has extended in all of history and what will still be extended, it's never going to run out. It's plentiful. God's grace is giving me what I do not deserve. Some of us have heard some of this before, but it's good to hear. Again, repetition is the key to learning. Number one, we have uh, God's give, God gives saving grace. Saving grace. No one will ever be saved by works. No one will ever be saved by their goodness. The Bible says in Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Saving grace. And so you need, you need to examine your heart tonight and find out has there been a time in your life where you've uh, received Jesus Christ as your Savior. God's saving grace is enough for all of us. But we have to ask. We have to receive that. But it is plentiful. For saving grace. Secondly, God's uh, sanctifying grace. Making us more like Christ. Making us less like the world and more like Christ. Being separated from the world to Christ. Should have mentioned that this morning, really. Separation isn't just one way. Separation is two parts. Separating from the world, but separating to Christ. There's grace needed for that, by the way. Titus 2, 11 to 14. Titus 2, 11 to 14. Maybe let's turn over there. Let's turn over there. I think, I think this, this, we need to take, take time to look at this one. Titus 2, 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, 
that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. In this present world. No matter how wicked the world gets, because of God's grace, we can deny ungodliness in our life. And and, and you know, the condition of the world has nothing to do with the revival that is needed in the church. We know that, right? Nowhere in the Word of God does it talk about, let's get the world right before we have revival. No, it speaks many times about we getting right. We getting our heart right. We getting sin out of our life. We getting worldliness out of our life. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, saving grace. Thirdly, uh, God gives serving grace. Serving grace. The motivation and strength to serve God comes from God alone. When we're tired, God gives serving grace. When we're discouraged, God gives serving grace. We were all saved to do something for God. We don't do something for God to get saved, but we do something for the Lord because we love Him, because we are saved. And we can't do it without His grace. Then God gives sustaining grace. Sustaining grace. This gets me through trials and you through trials. The Apostle Paul used much of that. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. If you want to jot that down. And then lastly, God gives supplying grace. Supplying grace. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able. Well, there's, there's some encouraging words, right? Just those four, first four words are pretty helpful. How about, what do you think? I, I would imagine a few people came into the church tonight with an idea about something. I'm not saying this to be unkind. I'm just saying this to be transparent that we, can't, we, we may have come into the meeting tonight somewhere tucked away in our, in our mind or in our heart that even God couldn't do this. Or this thing that we have on our mind or our heart right now seems like it's impossible. Well, I like what what Paul said there. And God is able. And God is able. I'm not, but he is. Don't you like that song? He's able, he's able. I know he's able to carry me through. God is able to make all grace Abound toward you, abound, okay? That's obviously meaning bunches of it. Not just a little bit, but abundance. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Wow. God, thank you for your supplying grace. Thank you, God, that you're able. God's grace is plentiful. God's grace is personal. It's personal. I think we mentioned that already. It is customized to meet your needs and mine. 
We all have different weaknesses, but we have the same God who specializes in enabling us with grace that is perfectly formulated for your and my limitations. I'm glad for that. It's personal. Psalm 18.1, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Psalm 21.1, the king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation how greatly shall he rejoice. Psalm 28.7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. Admit what? Number one, admit what? I can't. Number two, acknowledge that you can. And lastly, number three, allow. Allow. He will. Allow. A-L-L-O-W. Maybe it's up there. Allow. Yeah. The word therefore in verse 10 of our text connects what Paul knew to what Paul did with what he knew. It's one thing to know something. It's another thing to connect it with how we live our lives. Do you know God did not give us this book? I've said this before, probably because I heard somebody else say it. But God did not give us this book for information. What did he give us this book for? You remember? Transformation. God did not give us this book just to read a bunch of stories in the Bible for the sake of having all these stories and going and, and learning about them. I'm so thankful for them. I'm glad for that heritage that I have. Uh, Brother Knapp, can you open the door and let's let those, those kids come on in? Yep. They don't need to go outside. Cold out there. Tell them just to come on in. If the teens are done, tell them to come on in. Please. I need transformation. Transformation. Not just Now, it's good to get the information. The point is this. The, the, the word therefore there. Stay with me. Stay with me. We've all seen teens walk around before. The word therefore is there because Paul is connecting what he knew with how he was going to live. You know, it, it, it's, it's, not, it, it's not that we just want to read this book seven days a week and nothing happened. We want to read this book seven days a week so that it can change us from the inside out. Allow, he will. When Paul understood that every weakness was an opportunity, teenagers, there's something God has for you in these last few minutes, so pay attention. When Paul understood that every weakness was an opportunity for the demonstration of God's power, he made two choices. Number one, He desired to have God's power. And number two, he decided to depend on God's power. He said, I want God's power. And then he said, I must have God's power. It wasn't just a desire to have it. It was a dependence upon it. Letter A, choose tonight, choose to desire. Make that choice. Choose to desire. Philippians 3.10 That I may know him and the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Paul desired to be fully acquainted with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ 
to know him intimately. Again, I think this morning ties well into tonight. If you missed this morning, please take time to go back and listen to the, to the message from God's word about worship. To know him intimately, that he might know Christ's power. Paul said, the fellowship of his sufferings in 310. He didn't want just the power of Christ. He wanted it so that he could fulfill the purpose of Christ. It's not just walking around saying, I've got God's power, look at me. No, it's saying God's power is flowing through me so that God's purpose can be fulfilled in me. Not just for the sake of power. Choose to desire. Letter B, choose to depend. Choose to depend. Paul said, most Gladly will I, from our text. What? Most gladly will I glory. That's a choice, isn't it? Paul knew that God's work would require God's enabling grace, and he made a choice. I'm going to depend on it. He was able to rejoice in his inabilities because he knew what God's abilities were like. Because then when I am weak, then am I strong. Because he knew God's abilities could be trusted. God's ability had been tested a long time ago, and that is something about the Bible that helps transform me. Because God is not bound by just the Bible times God's power, God's grace is sufficient every day of our life. I challenge us tonight to exchange my weakness, your weakness for his strength. His all-sufficient grace is access for my life for all the challenges that we face. Let's turn to one other text, Galatians 2.20. It's a verse that we've referred to much in recent days. Galatians 2.20. Many of you could quote it. It would be a good verse to memorize. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God has given and will continue to give his power to those who exchange their weakness for his strength. We can be strong tonight, not because we have anything, but because of the one who lives in us and who is enabling us. Paul did what we would do. God, take this away. (laughs) That's what I do. So I can relate. We can relate to Paul. Hey, wow. Right? He didn't just ask one time. He asked three times. Take this away. You know. That's how we are. That's how I am. But I, I think the bigness of it is this. This is where faith comes in. Because if we were to somehow, if God were to take it away, and then we were to miss what God had in store, in that thorn, 
we can't see that. And that's faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so by faith, we say tonight, okay, God, you're not going to take this away. Then I'm going to claim that your grace is sufficient for me, for me. God's not looking for strong Christians tonight. He's looking for Christians that are weak, who say, I recognize I'm weak, God. I want to be a strong Christian, not because I say I'm strong, but I want to be a strong Christian because you're working through my weaknesses. I have a lot of them. And when we come to that conclusion, we let God keep us from being exalted above measure. It's a really good thing. It's not what you think. Strength comes through.